a grocery store, car dealer, hardware store, eBay, Amazon, charges $100 for something, how much does it get paid? Well, $100. If a healthcare provider, so a doctor, a physical therapist, a clinic, a hospital, charges $100, how much does it get paid? Well, it depends. It depends on the type of insurance, type of patient, service type. Type of insurance might be Medicare, Medicaid, private, none. Patient type means young, old, tall, short, full head of hair, bald, parent, grandparent, child. No, that would be too easy. It has nothing to do with the patient. It's about the relationship with the clinician. An acute episode a continuous relationship referred by another clinician, etc. The specific type of service, medical, surgical, x-ray, lab, radiation therapy, pre-admission testing, more than 200 types, all to figure out cost. Cost. Well, what does healthcare cost even mean? When politicians talk about cost, they're referring to federal and state spending on health care. Hospital administrators and physicians talk about the money they spend on the resources needed to care for patients. Business leaders mean the price of insurance or the amount they spend on their employees' health care insurance plans. Regular people like you and me think about out-of-pocket costs. That's the amount we spend beyond what insurance covers, plus costs of lost wages, childcare, transportation. You get the drift. Full disclosure, I will not be able to explain cost according to Medicare. I've been part of healthcare for almost 50 years, and I tried to study it further these past few days, and I cut myself off after 12 hours. I am never going to understand it to explain it to you. I have found no resource that I could give you to read to help you understand. On the one hand, I apologize. On the other, that's the way it is. I'm smart, and I'm good at this and it makes almost no sense to me. What sense does it make for costs to be so mysterious? So, why even go down this road with you and devote an episode to cost and efficiency measurement? Well, I'm on a national quality forum, that's NQF, Cost and Efficiency Measure Standing Committee. What a handle that is. I'm a patient caregiver stakeholder. Everyone else on the committee represents health plans, clinician groups, measure developers, and statisticians. CMS, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, engages NQF to manage cost and quality measures with the intent of providing consumers you and me, with a five-star rating for health plans, doctors, hospitals, and other providers of healthcare services. One star is terrible, five stars wonderful. I wanted to see how the sausage was made and ask questions that regular people might have. So I closed my eyes, 
I held my nose, I felt the sweat dripping down my neck, and I signed up for the Cost and Efficiency Standing Committee. I met a fine fellow there, Matthew Pickering, Senior Director at NQF, who agreed to chat with us. You're going to hear me use the word arcane. Arcane means understood only by a few. I will do my best to break in and explain where I can or let you know when I still don't understand. It's that thick. Okay, buckle up. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged cisgender old white man of privilege who knows a little about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of health care. Let's make some sense of all of this. Matt, Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. I, I'm I'm very excited about this conversation. I've been uh, looking forward to it for some time. Well, Danny, I, I very much appreciate your invitation, especially the consideration of my company, National Quality Forum, and your involvement with some of the work that we do. So I think this would be a great conversation. I appreciate you thinking of, of me and as well as NQF for your podcast. Great. So how do you introduce yourself usually? Oh, wow. Do you want the elevator speech or do you want like the long trajectory? In between, more than the elevator speech. Yeah. So Matt Pickering, I serve as a senior director at the National Quality Forum. I'm a pharmacist by training, but I have ventured far away from the pharmacy realm. So I haven't practiced in several years. I work primarily in the public health arena. And my role within NQF or the National Quality Forum is I lead a team or a series of teams to convene stakeholders, such as consumers, such as your, as well as other experts in, in the area and the field of, of the focus area, to evaluate measures that the government, Medicare and Medicaid, use to ensure that Medicare beneficiaries are getting quality care that they need. I really very much enjoy it. It's in this area of healthcare quality and performance measurement and trying to uh, move the healthcare system from volume to value, which is uh, a term that is often used. So paying providers, hospitals and physicians for the value that they provide as opposed to the number of services or the volume that they provide. So I've been doing that for a series of years. Uh, Before joining the National Quality Forum, I was at the Pharmacy Quality Alliance, which is a measure developer. So they develop those quality measures that ultimately get submitted to MEF to where we evaluate those measures to see if they are scientifically sound and they're evidence-based, et cetera, for use within federal programs. Oh, there's so many uh, pieces, directions we <laughs> yes. could go with that. Let's start with, when you say value, I'm hearing you say, it's value to consumers who are the recipients of care and service. 
but you're measuring clinicians and provider organizations. Is that right? That's correct. These measures are looking at the, these accountable providers, such as physicians or health systems or even health plans, uh, primarily for the Medicare population. And and of the Medicare population, is that straight Medicare and Medicare Advantage or just straight Medicare? It's both. both. It could either be Medicare Advantage or uh, the fee-for-service is what the term that we use, fee-for-service okay. Medicare, which is your traditional type. Okay, so we met because I'm a patient caregiver stakeholder on the Cost and Efficiency Standing Committee. And my understanding is that we are not quite at the tail end, but we're near the tail end of the review process. And so either existing measures are periodically reviewed or new measures are reviewed. And we have a set of criteria that we look at and we score the the measures as they're presented by the developers. And I I confess that when I first started, I had really no understanding of what my role was. So I convened a group of people who were measure developers and researchers who I had worked with at other technical expert panels to help me look over the material and try to understand the 60 or whatever pages of material for each measure. One of the things that that they taught me or encouraged me is to not worry about the statistic ease and to look at it through my eyes and use my own language. One of the things that I appreciated working with you as the senior representative from NQF was that I felt respected by you. I felt what I was saying was a value and that you spent what I thought was a considerable amount of time interpreting what I was saying in the language of the group. Mm -hmm. And I, I appreciate that. And as I've gotten more mature in my role, now that I've been through three different cycles, I understand the criteria better. So I feel like you've taken to this, like you've bought into patient and caregivers being involved. You've drunk the Kool-Aid and you're behind it. What was your trajectory? Like, mm -hmm. I'm assuming that you weren't born this way. That <laughs> at some point, you learned about it and advocated for it. So how did that yeah, happen? That's a great question, Danny. <clears throat> so I will say that I sort of go back to the comment that you had mentioned about value. This changing healthcare environment that we find ourselves in and continue to find ourselves in is so we're moving away from paying providers, whether they be clinicians, hospitals, health plans, for the volume of services that they're providing and moving to the value of services they're providing. That value is measured 
or partly measured through these quality measures. Partly we're doing this because, yes, we want to ensure that there's good quality care being provided, but part of that value equation is also looking at the cost of services, this, the amount of dollars that are being spent. So you've got this value equals quality over cost type of equation, to put it in a very simplistic form. Okay, value equal cost over quality. That simply means getting the biggest bang for your buck in healthcare. However, nothing in healthcare is simple, especially when there's so much money involved. CMS estimated that in 2019, healthcare costs reached $3.8 trillion or more than $11,000 per person per year. As a share of the nation's gross domestic product, health spending accounted for just under 20%. There are a lot of people and companies after a slice of that monster pie. Okay, back to our conversation with Matt. So those measures, the quality measures, are are trying to identify that quality care and also that cost of care and together putting together value. But ultimately, it's also to inform the consumer the quality of care being provided to them, whether it be physicians or whether it be hospitals, et cetera. The, The goal is to improve quality, but also to inform consumers, patients, caregivers, patient advocates. Uh, of the quality of care that is being delivered. Programs that these measures are used in to evaluate providers should be made transparent and are made transparent to to Medicare beneficiaries in particular. So Medicare.gov is a website that a lot of beneficiaries, Medicare, go on and and decide what services or what types of plans they'd like to choose depending on drug benefits, what conditions they have, who covers it, etc. So it's left to consumer choice. And through these types of quality measures and these value-based shifts in in healthcare, the quality measures are communicating the quality of care that's being delivered uh, to those beneficiaries. And so beneficiaries have now a decision. They can make informed healthcare decisions based on how well providers are performing on these types of quality measures. So it almost makes sense that if you're trying to inform consumers about the quality of care that's being provided, those same individuals, those beneficiaries and patient advocates should be at the table when you're evaluating these measures to begin with. And so bringing that patient voice in to the evaluation process, it's not a new approach. It's something that is still evolving. And Danny, as you being involved with the work that we do, we're still evolving how to really meaningfully engage patients and patient representatives in this process. But ultimately, if the end goal is to inform the consumer on the quality of care that's being provided, we should bring them into the process of evaluating these measures to say that, you know, this is meaningful to me as a patient. This is meaningful to me as a caregiver. And within these standing committees, Danny, I I love how you, I can't remember the term you, statistic, what did you say of your term? Statistic ease. Statistic ease. (laughs) 
That's great. And you mentioned that because even in these bodies that we convene to evaluate these measures, we're trying to bring in more patient representation into that. There are definitely various different levels of expertise that are around the table. There's clinical expertise, there's research expertise, but we also need lived expertise. We need that voice that doesn't always get captured in these evaluations of the lived experiences. And that's the expertise that we also need to consider in the evaluation of these measures. And that's what we've been trying to do. And I would say, Danny, I think you do a phenomenal job at asking those types of questions based on what does this really mean to me as the consumer? What does it mean to me as the the patient or care or an advocate for other types of, of patients that have similar conditions or other conditions? What does it mean? Those types of questions are very meaningful because it also brings to fold that maybe there needs to be an additional consideration here. How is this really being translated to the patient and consumer? So there's a couple things in what you said. So I sit on this cost and efficiency standing committee, and the kinds of measures that come up are what is overall cost of care per beneficiary or for a particular diagnosis, and there's all this conversation about what's included and what's excluded. But all of it seems like that it's based on claims data. And to me, I just so struggle with that because I feel like in in the American system of healthcare, it's it feels like cost it doesn't represent anything real to me. Um like, is it what people charge? Is it what actually it costs them? Is it what the beneficiary pays? Is it what the plan pays? And it doesn't include costs that feels important to patients and caregivers, like the cost of lost wages, the for caregivers, the cost of getting sick themselves. Or if we're thinking about clinicians, the cost of burn. And so it's so it seems like this idea of cost is so such a small slice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I ask those kinds of questions. Yeah. And then I think, okay, this is a question that needed to be asked way sooner, or it's more of a policy question than a measurement question. So Can you talk a little bit about, like, where would those kinds of questions, where would they see the light of day? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question, Danny. And you're right. Uh, We use claims data currently to develop these types of measures, specifically when you're in this context of cost. The cost measures are fairly new. To the system. And when I say to the system in this area and realm of quality, these cost measures are a completely different animal, if you will, that are looking at cost of services, right? So resource use, healthcare resource use. And it's coming primarily from the perspective of holding a health system accountable for the amount of dollars they're spending on a particular condition or service or a time window around something, whether it be a discharge from a hospital, how many dollars are being spent outside of that event. And really these measures are, like I said, are are new and using data sources that we know are standardized and valid, like claims. 
these other aspects of out-of-pocket costs, indirect costs, whether it be from taking time off work or whether you're talking about a job loss and things of that nature. But there, there are definitely those elements of, of cost that could be considered and factored into quality measures. These are factors that can impact the quality of care delivered, and we have to think about adjusting or accounting for those types of cost factors that, that potentially impact the quality of care delivered. There's also maybe new evolution of cost measures that could come down the pipeline once there's more data connectivity and sharing of, of potential data to learn more about out-of-pocket out of costs and more transparency with that so that we're able to actually monitor how much this is really impacting the patient and their out-of-pocket costs. We're still a, a little ways away from getting into those types of standardized measurements because administrative claims, which are the means that, that providers, health systems can communicate what services are provided in a standardized way. But to get to that more granular level of how does this really impact out-of-pocket costs for a patient? Or what does this mean for other types of indirect costs for time off work or time for childcare? But those are very important factors when you're talking about money out of the patient's pocket. But there's not a really good way to capture a lot of those data elements in a standardized way. It is something that is definitely been discussed by, by agencies of the government, by other types of institutions like the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, PCORI, which I think, Danny, you're very much involved with. Mm -hmm. How do you actually start to capture these data elements? How do you then capture them in a standardized way that you can actually do research on them? You know the story of the person looking for their keys under the streetlight when they lost them in a dark alley? But that's where the light is. Unfortunately, I fear that we've put the effort into standardizing the data under the streetlight rather than in the dark alley. How can consumers like you and me trust cost measures when they seem to miss the point? Okay, so if we take the assumption, which is these measures are right measures, useful measures, important measures, the next part that I focus on is that how do these measures either inform or inspire? So the whole purpose to me of measurement is that it's a way to keep our fingers on the pulse of something. I would assume that there is variation in results and that somehow we're thinking that something is good and something is less good. So it's cost and efficiency. How can we yeah. learn from what is more efficient and what is less efficient? And mm -hmm. then that helps. Then if we can share what we've learned, that helps more generally for whatever to be more efficient. But I don't get a sense when I'm there. I, I realize that what I'm saying is really 
ill-formed. But the point is, and it is a criteria, the criteria mm -hmm. is that these are used, these measure results are used to inform change. But I don't know that I actually see evidence of that in our discussions. Yeah. So yeah, can you speak to that? I can, Danny. And you ask really good questions like this. Within the Standing Committee proceedings, the Cost and Efficiency Standing Committee, we evaluate cost measures to evaluate those measures based on a standard set of criteria. That criteria, NQF, owns and operates, maintains those criteria. And ultimately, it's to inform the quality of care. So inspiring patients to go to these Medicare.gov websites or the website and look to see for health systems or health plans or even nursing homes, all of these data are in there and displayed for consumer decision-making and, and choice on what provider they would like to go to for their services based on what has been displayed on Medicare.gov because those quality measures that are used in those programs are evaluating those providers. With cost, it's a little bit different because it's fairly new. These measures have been developed from recent government legislation. That is, these measures are now going to be used within these quality improvement programs to assess the amount of dollars that are being spent by these providers for the care that they're providing. So this is like a, a resource use type of situation. You have a lot more resources that you're using. There's a lot more procedures that you're using. There's a lot more dollars attached to that. But how does a provider in Cleveland compare to a provider out in San Francisco with the same type of services? Is one provider spending more money or not? And so these measures are intended to monitor that. And they're trying to display, ultimately, if this provider is spending more money or not or less money compared to national average. What does this mean to the consumer? The consumer could say, this provider performs pretty well on this quality indicator of keeping me out of the hospital. I know that this provider keeps patients just like me out of the hospital more so than the hospital over here. But it's also with this, this cost element, eventually the cost element will get worked into these type of transparent ratings that beneficiaries can go in and, and look for and say, not only is the quality of care improving here. Not only am I seeing on this Medicare.gov that this provider is keeping me out of the hospital after 30 days, they're also saving some money. So it's just to help inform the decision that if provider A is doing high quality but less cost compared to provider B, a patient has a decision to make. Maybe provider B is actually closer, right? Maybe hospital B is, is actually closer to the patient hospital A, but hospital B has a higher cost. So it's, it just depends on what works better for the patient. Mm -hmm. Does the patient want to travel to a further distance to see provider A because of less cost, but still performs high quality? That's ultimately where we're trying to get. Okay. And that's this efficiency realm, right? right. How efficient is the provider at, at spending less money by giving the same high quality care? I think a couple things in that. The first one is do consumers really look at this stuff? That's a great question, yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm embarrassed to say, but I don't know that I've ever looked at it. And here I am, eyeball deep in it. 
I guess I better do that. And so I know what I'm talking about. But I don't know that. Yeah. But what's your experience? Like, what kind of feedback do you get in terms of that people actually, the only time people are really going to look at that is maybe it's elective. There's nobody that's having something emergent is going to a website before they get their broken limb fixed. Yeah, they it's a great question, Danny. And you're right. There may not be those instances where somebody who broke their leg, right, is then going to Medicare.gov really quickly and trying <laughs> right. to identify, is this hospital, it's based on a five-star system, right? Five stars right. being the highest, just like Yelp. Are they going and looking to say, before I call the ambulance, you know, right. 911, let me just check out to see which hospital I want to go to. Maybe those instances do happen, but maybe not. Right. I do know that there is some impact to this. Consumers do pay attention to, to some of this, and it may not be across the board. There's various different domains that the government has to evaluate healthcare providers. There's domains for individual clinicians. There's domains for hospitals. When I say domains, these are like these areas where there's quality improvement programs and measures being used to evaluate hospitals, nursing homes, physicians, health plans. We do see in data that for something like health plans, where your Medicare Advantage and your Medicare Part D, the drug benefit, they have measures that evaluate them. And those measures could be things around medication adherence, when you're thinking about Part D, making sure patients are adherent to certain medications that we know if you're adherent, it leads to beneficial outcomes. There's other measures around appropriate diabetes care within these mm-hmm. health plan quality improvement programs or evaluation programs. Now a word about our sponsor, Abridge. Use Abridge to record your doctor visit. Push the big pink button and record the conversation. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com. A-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com. Or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Record your healthcare conversations. Let me know how it went. One of the reasons that I'm on the cost and efficiency standing committee is because I thought who would ever want to sit on this committee? (laughs) That's right. Who would ever want to lead that committee? I don't know who would do that crazy job. I, I can understand advocates and patients and caregivers wanting to sit on a diabetes committee or a stroke committee or whatever. So I selected this one because I thought this is about as arcane as I could think of. (laughs) And yeah, and so it seemed like there would be no competition. So one of my goals as in my role as an activist and being this health hats, wearing all these different hats, is to open seats for other people and to encourage other people to step in to even step in in something that isn't yet well-developed or is arcane, but that there is a role and it's worth understanding and it's worth participating. I just think that 
it contributes to the critical mass of iterative change in the mm-hmm. use of measures and measure development. So how do you think I can best inspire other people to participate in any of the NQF processes, but specifically the cost and efficiency processes. When I think about that, I think about who's the audience, what's the message. You know, what I want to have come out of this year in my conversation is I want to end with, I would hit a home run if one person who listened to this got in touch with you and said, I want to participate. That would be amazing. So then, to me, it's a tactical question. Again, who's the audience and what's the message? What do you think about that? So to speak to that, Danny, you are involved on a very technical standing committee. And I am just overly impressed by how you are engaged with the group. And as you have mentioned, yes, the first time around, it's very foreign. It's all new information. I love how you've connected with some of your colleagues offline about how to approach your involvement, which I think was fantastic. But how you are inspiring is through what you're doing now. I think being involved, putting your foot in the door and then having a seat at the table and then learning about the process and then being able to share that through avenues like this, I think definitely provides that inspiration. I think you also have learned tremendous amount about our work, as well as how this ultimately will impact the healthcare system at some point. And I've asked really relevant questions and really thoughtful questions to developers, but also those entities that use these measures, such as CMS, Medicare and Medicaid services, who are on those calls, who you ask those questions to them. So even the implementers of these measures hear the patient voice now, and they very much value that. It is, it is something that CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, who does a lot of work with, with us and implements our measures, they have an, a national priority to try to incorporate the patient and community voice within this work. They are very responsive to what the patients have to say within these committees. And even outside of cost, which again, you are on, and it's a very technical committee, there are other I guess that's better than arcane. We have other standing committees across various different focus areas. So we have other standing committees that look at surgery, cardiovascular disease, kidney care, so renal functioning. We have others that look at uh, readmission rates. We have others that look at geriatrics, palliative care. So these are other, and there's many others that we have measures that are submitted to. And we are always looking to see patients and patient representatives or community representatives on these committees. And I'll just say that beyond those committees, we still have opportunities for those from the patient community to participate in other NQF activities. We have a patient and caregiver advisory committee, which is not so much evaluating measures, but is trying to inform us how should we engage patients better? How do we bring patients into this work better? And so that is also an opportunity that we seek to have the patient voice within that group. Outside of that, there's other areas that we look to have patients involved in through various and other works, whether it be our individual one-off projects that we do, and also within what we have, our measures application Mm -hmm. partnership, another NQF convene group. All of this is available online, and we recruit every year, all the time. 
And patients and those from patient community can go online and submit an application when we have the call for nominations to be seated on these committees. Danny, I think this has been fantastic. Thank you very much. I appreciate you joining us. Danny, thank you so much. And I, I must say, I'm looking forward to hearing the, the jazz music okay. that you'll be putting on. I don't know if you're going to put this in your recording or not, but to the listeners, I've, I just really have loved your production on your podcast. I thank love the jazz music transitions. They're, they're fantastic. Oh, good. Joey Van Leeuwen. Yeah. That's who's doing it. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you, sir. I'm sure we'll be thank talking you, soon. If we are unlikely to ever understand cost, according to Medicare or other insurers, what do we do at these meetings besides flounder? What do I care about? What questions do I ask at these meetings? I care that measures about cost and resources used in healthcare explicitly state and truly reflect something relevant to patients, caregivers, and direct care clinicians like doctors and nurses. I care that measure results inform improvement at the local and community level, and that improvement in care and service has already been demonstrated and there is likelihood for continued improvement. The approach I take is to read and understand as much as I can before these hours-long meetings. I come up with questions in my language and find places to ask them, even if they don't seem to fit anywhere. For example, I care about health equity. How do these measures inform our understanding of inequities? I notice that the measure developers, those are the companies paid to come up with and test measures, reported that each of the social risk factors were statistically significant in the risk adjustment model. Uh, in English, there are some data points that reflect zip code, housing, a social disparity scale. I can tell you more. However, the developer did not include them in the overall model, concluding that adding them individually or together did not substantially improve overall model fit. You don't have to understand what that means. The developer reported that including social risk factors in the risk adjustment model had minimal impact on measure scores. I thought, this is nuts. How can it not matter? So I brought it up. It's the developer's job to explain so I understand. I didn't. My colleagues on the panel felt I had a point and continued the discussion using their statistics ease, which I didn't understand. But importantly, the measure was not approved. Unheard of, but empowering for me. My last point is that I don't understand how these measures can ever smell like transparency when I can't explain to you what cost even means. Still, all is not lost. People with lived experience are not only patients or caregivers, but people with many skills, perspectives, and expertise. If you can step into an intimidating situation, feel your vulnerability, ask the dumb questions, 
I encourage you to sign up as a patient caregiver rep and jump right in. NQF pays a stipend for your time, the staff is supportive, and other patient caregiver reps will welcome you with open arms. We won't move from muddy to transparent without you. Thank you. the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block.